Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rust Report on the Bet 1520. At the recommendation of civic leader Seymour H. Knox IV, we have today a supernatural historian on the program, Mason Winfield III. His specialty is supernatural paranormal subjects with a Western New York focus. A little bit more information about Mason C. Winfield. He's an author, researcher, storyteller, and supernatural historian. He studied English and classics at Denison University, earned a master's degree in British literature at Boston College, and studied poetry and fiction at SUNY Buffalo with Professor Emeritus and MacArthur Grant recipient Irving Feldman. During the 13 years he taught at the Gauss School in South Wales, New York, he chaired the English department won a 50K cross-country ski marathon and was ranked among the Buffalo, New York area top tennis players. Mason C. Whitfield III on the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. Now, you have haunted history ghost walks, Seymour Knox told me about. What is that all about, Mason Winfield? Yeah, uh, first of all, I usually leave out the third. I was being totally wise when we did our sound check. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's on your email address, yeah, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, we have a walking tour company. Um, basically, we are folklorists and historians. You know, I cannot prove to you that someone sees, saw a ghost. I, I do believe in psychic phenomena. I just can't prove it. Prove it. Um, but, uh, you know, I can tell you that someone told me a story, and that's, that becomes a fact. You know, the fact of, 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 of folklore, of report, that's a fact. And the other fact is that you know where a, where a story happens, because they tell you. So between the mashing of story and sight, that's the way I put my whole, really my whole theory together. And there's some really interesting patterns between, you know, stories and sights. They're often more interesting than the stories themselves, even if you believe them or not. So we lead people around, tell them stories about the neighborhood, and try to avoid incriminating people's houses. You know, we, we generally tell stories about public buildings, but um, I've been doing this for 25 years. It's a lot of fun. 
Now, who goes on these tours? How do people uh, learn about how to uh, participate with your uh, haunted history ghost walks? When will they be given? <clears throat> yeah, well, we're typically a fall business. <clears throat> um, it's not because I, I don't think the tours would be popular at other times of the year. I just get busy with other stuff. And fall is prime time for anything ghost. I have a website, masonwinfield.com. And, uh, you know, I've also got a mailer, a newsletter. Uh, the newsletter will try, tends to be weekly. It will contain, you know, information about my, my talks and events. And also, usually there's a little paranormal speculation in each, in each mailer. So, masonwinfield.com. If they can spell my name or if they even look up Buffalo Ghost Walk, they'll probably find me. Let's uh, talk about on the ghost walk. Um, what do people hear about? What do they learn about? Well, <clears throat> other than neighborhood ghost stories, they learn about the connections. I mean, there are connections in, I mean, everybody suspects connections in history to a, a ghost story. Um, but there are patterns in folklore that come up in contemporary experience that can be quite interesting. There can be connections to Native American uh, tradition and material, which, which I think is one of the first things you ought to check. You know, when anything potentially supernatural happens in anywhere on uh, the American continents, try to figure out what the Native Americans thought about the site. I mean, you, you often find some interesting profiles there. There can be connections to geology, of all things, in ghost stories. You may never believe it. I mean, you, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't suspect that, that there could be a connection. Um, architecture, you know, certain styles of buildings tend to collect a lot of ghost stories. Other styles get, get almost nothing. Um, sometimes uh, ghost stories follow architects around. <laughs> it's funny. In Buffalo, we've got an architect, E.B. Green. I call him the ghostly green. Every building the guy builds gets ghost stories. And, uh, you know, I, I just try to detect any pattern I can find, and uh, they, they tend to be interesting. What ghost stories can you reveal that you've heard uh, about E.B. Green? Well, I, have, I don't know any about him personally, but his, his buildings in Buffalo tend to pick up stories. Um, I'll tell you, there's, there's one on, there's a, there's a mansion. It's called the Granger mansion in, uh, it's at, uh, Elmwood North. And, um, we used to go by that because I hadn't heard any stories about it. I'd often introduce it as the only Buffalo building built by E.B. Green. that isn't haunted. I've since gotten a bunch of stories about it. I would say the Buffalo club, um, on Delaware might be E.B. Green's most, most haunted building, at least when you talk to the staff, they just, you know, everything from apparitions, which is a word I use most often when I say, when, when other people would say ghosts, I usually say an apparition, it's an image, because I think that's what most of them are. But there's physical psychic phenomena that's quite commonly reported at the Buffalo Club, too. The security guards tell me all kinds of stories. It's wonderful. I guess every once in a while we'll get a great, a great image recorded on one of their surveillance cameras. And what are these images? Are, are these uh, uh, 
people uh, well, looking like ghosts yeah, walking yeah, yeah. around? Oh, um, yeah. A full, yeah, a full-form apparition. Those are really rare. You know, the, the TV ghost people almost never get anything that looks like a human ghost. Just about never. <laughs> they they get lights and sounds and, you know, they, they just, these full-form apparitions are exquisitely rare. And in, in my opinion, you know, the only ones you really count on are the spontaneous ones. You know, it's like if you're on a, on a direct ghost hunt and you're running around a building hoping to catch something and then you catch something, you know, that's, that's, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as convinced by that, but, but when somebody minding their own business, you know, has a surveillance camera and, and it occasionally pick and it picks something up unprovoked, um, those become a lot more interesting. Now, are these um, harmful or friendly ghosts that people see at the Buffalo Club and other locations? Uh, tell us what you've been watching of... too much. <laughs> you've been watching too much TV, my friend. Um, you know, go, psychic phenomena, which is the the professional term for spooky stuff. It it it's not like Hollywood. You know, it doesn't tend to be dangerous. It doesn't hurt people. Um, it can scare you just because it shouldn't be happening, but no, there are very, very few uh, even suggested cases of of a malicious uh, intent or an influence from something supernatural. If you're asking, if, if someone asks me sometimes about an evil ghost, I often say, is there an evil fire? You know, is there an evil wind? I mean, there, you know, each each of those forces can can injure you, but none of them are, are have any intent. And I think psychic phenomena tends to be like that. It's it's manifestations. You know, it's, it doesn't come back with evil evil intent. Um, it's it's very rare that an eyewitness even sees a ghost that looks scary. You know, it they they may choose to be. They may choose to be scared, but, um, you know, the apparition itself is usually just a, you know, little girl or a old woman or something. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite interviews is uh, I'll be interviewing someone who I, I know I can tell already they're superstitious. And I always ask them at the real, very end of the, the interview, I always ask them. And, uh, you know, after you saw this, this evil, terrifying ghost, what, you know, what, what 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 did you do? And they talk about, oh man, jump out the window, broke my arm, pulled the car out, ran over the cat, you know, and all these heroic attempts to get away. And I go, well, what was it doing? And they go, oh, just walked across the room. <laughs> That's real scary. You know, most most of the apparitions people see don't even seem aware of the people. Ninety nine percent don't even know the witnesses there. The, the apparitions are just doing their thing. That's not hostile at all, you know. Very good. We're learning a great deal with a supernatural historian, Mason Winfield, recommended by Seymour Knox IV on the Rusk Report and the Bet 1520. If you're listening in South Buffalo or Toronto or Manhattan, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. 
as this station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. A plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal newspaper has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegmans stores for home delivery, Call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding recent guests, Ken Abramowitz with Save the West blog, Isaro Blanco, Spanish psychologist, and Dr. Andreas Klein, an expert on the canal system in Austria and Germany. Coming up, we'll have former Deputy County Executive Carl Calabrese, Mike Bellani about suicide prevention, and Major General Bo Dias, who will be in western New York uh, to speak. A little bit more information about Mason C. Winfield of East Aurora. A journalist, Mason Winfield writes on a range of subjects, including the War of 1812, the Celtic and Native American folklore. He is the author or editor of 15 books, including the upstate sensation Shadows of the Western Door, 97, Iroquois Supernatural, 2011, on the tradition of the six Longhouse Nations, Inner Traditions International, Bear and Company. Our guest today, Mason Winfield. Um, let's talk a little bit about paranormal subjects, if you can go into more depth in western New York State. What what do we have to offer here? Um, we're very haunted. <laughs> you know, I mean, people sometimes ask me to do comparisons. You know, they go, hey, uh, is, is western New York the most haunted place uh, in the world or something like that? And, of course, I just tell them, you know, you can't say a thing like that without studying everything else, too. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons, all I can tell you is anyone who doubts that the Buffalo area and the Niagara frontier is, is very haunted should just do a few interviews. You know, just walk around in your neighborhood. Eh? Anytime you're at a coffee house, just go, hey, anybody heard a ghost story? You'll be shocked. <laughs> How many of them turn up? I, I, I don't think it's that way everywhere. I think in New Orleans, the major you know, major historic, you know, cities in, in the East Coast that have like 400 years of history and overlapping battles, they they have tons of ghosts. Well, Western New York has has that too. The War of 1812 um, was a major trauma to the area. For three years, the Niagara, the Niagara River, one mile in on both sides, the Niagara River was the theater of a basically constant war. Cannon shelling, forays, you know, ambushes, uh, a handful of famous battles. A lot of people were killed and others, you know, skirmishes that people have to dig through the old military journals to find out about. So we've got a real profile of war, war history. We've also got a powerful geology here. You know, places of geological power and curiosity 
tend also to be places that pick up human folklore. Um, and uh, Niagara Falls is one of the most massive generators of natural power anywhere in the world. And um, it, it was a spiritual center to Native Americans for thousands of years. And I, I guess I can't tell you exactly why, but I can tell you it is a tendency that places like Niagara Falls, well, there isn't anything like it, but places of geological power and curiosity tend to be places where stories pile up, perceived human experience. And as far as other factors that might affect uh, Western New York, um, I've heard some some stereotyping about uh, shale, and you know, I, I I don't buy some of that. But um, uh, you know, those are two major factors I notice in Western New York that tend to pile up stories. Now you've written many books, Mason Winfield. Which book would be the best one that our audience throughout the U.S., Canada, and Europe should pick up, and how do they get it about the supernatural? Mm. I think the book they might be interested in, if they're not just interested in fiction, because I've started writing a lot more fiction, I would say there was a book called Iroquois Supernatural. It's a study of the supernatural traditions of the six Iroquois nations. And um, it's published by Bayer and Company in, uh, in Vermont. So Iroquois Supernatural. I think it's a 2011 book. That I think they'd really enjoy. And uh, I've got a recent one. came out last fall. It's a book about a wizard. It's fiction. It's an adventure. Sort of a... It's the, the memoirs of a contemporary wizard. It's called The Prince of the Air. And I'm very proud of this book. I've, I've never written one. It was more fun to write, too. The Prince of the Air. The Adventurous Memoirs of a Contemporary Wizard. It's not like Harry Potter. Don't even think of that. <laughs> the guys, the guys, totally different from that. And uh, I'll be working on the sequel over the winter. Um, you know, so I would say po- possibly those two. And where can they get these? Oh, I'm sorry. I should have answered that question before. Uh, just visit my website, MasonWinfield.com. We'll have links to Amazon and you know anywhere. We sell them a lot of different places, Barnes and Noble and. Uh, so uh, they, they can get them online that way. Now, you had an upstate sensation, The Shadows of the Western Door, written in 1997. Why was this such a big hit? Hmm. <clears throat> Good question. Um, I think part of it was it, it touched a nerve. I mean, it was the first supernatural slash paranormal survey that was written of Western New York. And it, it was a collection of uh, old-time ghost stories, 20th century ghost stories, uh, the, the barest selection of Native American material. It had um, ancient mysteries, you know, uh, ancient, you know, mis- mysterious ancient roads and crazy things that turned up out of the ground. It, it just was a smorgasbord. It had a bit of something for everybody. And it was the first. And, uh, it it was such a, a shock to people that it got enormous amount of media support. Newspapers, radios, TV, everybody was on top of it with that book. And uh, the media can really make you, if they're interested in something and they, they 
take it on themselves to expose it, you'll be a hit. Even even if it isn't any good, you'll be a hit. Um, but the book was was all right. But now, and I, it's it's not as complete as as it could have been by a mile. But I, I don't look back at the writing and go, "Oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that." You know, I, I and I was already a pretty professional writer when I when I wrote it. So, yeah, I, I would say that's why it touched a nerve in the touched a nerve in the local psyche, and uh, it got a lot of exposure through the media. So that'll that'll make it every time. At the recommendation of civic leader Seymour H. Knox IV, we have with us today a supernatural historian on the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520, Mason C. Winfield of East Aurora. If you're listening in East Aurora, Montreal, or Northern Florida, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk. The Rusk Report, the Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. A little more information about Mason C. Winfield. His short story, The Hunters, won the Jobbins Hell Fiamonte.com contest for horror fiction 2000 and gained honorable mention in the year's best fantasy in horror. His 12th book, The Occult Adventure, The Whistlers, A Paranormal Intrigue, was published in March 2017. Its sequel, The Whistlers, Lord of, of the Dawn, entered print in 2019 and in 2021, The Prince of the Air, Memoirs of a Contemporary Wizard, was published and its sequel is underway at this time. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the short story, The Hunters, that won the Jobs in Hell, Fiamonte.com contest for horror fiction. What was special about this short story, The Hunters, Mason Winfield? Uh, well, that's a kind of a slightly emotional subject in a good way. Um, you know, I don't know where I, I got the idea for that story. Usually there's something I can track down, but... All I can tell you is I used the personality of an old friend. My best friend in uh, junior high school, I, I used him as a model for uh, a character who encounters who encounters a, a, a true-to-life vampire. Hmm. And it's, it's not like the movies, but it is some sort of a human form, morphing, possessing type of a type of a, a critter that they encounter. And I think the reason it did well is I think the the personality of my old friend just made it seem so real. You know, I mean, this guy, this friend of mine, you know, every once in a while we meet powerful people in our lives and we meet interesting people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the guy was my best friend in eighth grade and ninth grade. We were just hanging out, just hanging out kids, you know, and then I moved and didn't see him too much after that. But I always, it, it, he, he seemed to be living an on-the-lines life, let's put it that way, when I went to him occasionally later. I always thought this guy's a secret agent or, you know, he's a drug dealer. But away on time, it wasn't due to, you know, being shot. And uh, I, I guess, you know, the tail hit a nerve in the horror community. And uh, um, I was very fortunate. And the, the miracle is it wasn't in the year's best anthology of um you know science fiction and fantasy and the reason it wasn't is because we we i know this from from the inside <laughs> they weren't sure what year it was published you know it won a contest in like i don't know this january and was published in december and the 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, it was or the other way around, and the the editors of the magazine couldn't decide which year it belonged to. You know, so uh, I missed out. But uh, honorable mention, I'll take that. You know. Again, uh, what books would you recommend for people to read about uh, supernatural, and how do they get them? You mean my books? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say um, probably go to my website, MasonWinfield.com, and we've got a, a page on the books. You know, some of the books are out of print by now, um, so we've got a. Uh, and and really, I haven't had a clunker yet. They've all sold. But that's the way the book business works, you know. So uh, visit my website, MasonWinfield.com. If they're interested in Western New York supernatural material, you know, folklore and all that, they probably should go to the Shadows of the Western Door, um, 1997. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm fortunate to have that website. So MasonWinfield.com. Let's talk a little bit about your occult adventure, The Whistlers, a paranormal intrigue um printed five years ago what was the um, main focus on this oh that's so nice of you to ask about that one i i still have high hopes for that book um there's a two book series called the whistlers and they they tend to operate on three basic facts one um there's a new drug a street drug that's turned up in buffalo new york it's a skin contact drug. You rub it on your, your forehead, your third eye, and you, it's like a brain cocaine. You have this vision. The second thing, these, and the, the cops are getting worried about it, you know. The second thing is that these crazy little people have started showing up around the world. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're short, they're, they look anorexic, and they're blind. They've got these rags. They're, they just look like street people who can't see. And, you know, They've started appearing all over the world in cities, and um, people don't know what to make of them. They don't talk. They, they seem to get around pretty well, and people don't know what to make of them. And they start calling them whistlers for some crazy reason. And the last factoid is that a perfectly formed quartz crystal human jaw, perfect, anatomically perfect jaw, made out of quartz crystal, turns up in a burial mound, a Native American burial mound in Ohio. And the three, the three pot hunters who find it put it up for sale on the Internet, and they are found dead. And these three factoids eventually come together at the end of, at the, end of the cycle. But there happens to be a country English teacher. He's a boarding school teacher who has written about the local paranormal. And some of his folklore and his fiction have imitated, you know, paralleled some of these developments that the DEA and the FBI are starting to worry about. So they call the English teacher in, they start interviewing him, and things happen in the world, and then he meets a girl. That's when the trouble usually happens, at least in my life. <laughs> so it, it becomes a real winding cycle. It's set between 2007 and 2012, and it's, it's really a bit of an adventure about the crystal skulls and mystery cults and um, it, it isn't ghostly, incidentally. It's got no reference to that side of the uh, paranormal question. It's it's even suggests an ET. It's mostly an ET ancient mysteries type of a book. Um, I'm very happy with it. Very good. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rust Report to a close. Our guest has been a noted supernatural historian, Mason. C. Winfield, recommended by civic leader Seymour H. Knox IV.
and he has these tours in East Aurora, Phantom Tours, so we recommend that for the fall as a good getaway. Special thanks also to Kevin Carr, Director of Production, for the past 15 years, and thank you for enlightening us about the supernatural and paranormal subjects in western New York, Mason Winfield. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rust Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.